Hi, everybody. This is Chuck Seif, Assistant Superintendent for Roxbury Schools with another episode of Schoolhouse Rocks. Uh, we have a bunch of I have a bunch of colleagues here today to talk about a really important topic, particularly as it pertains to our students' preparations for life beyond Roxbury High School. Uh, and that's about some of the academic programs we offer, particularly the College Ready programs, uh, specifically talking about our AP classes and our dual enrollment classes. So this episode is going to focus specifically on um, those programs, what they offer to students, why they're important for students to consider, and how they connect to life beyond the high school. So uh, we're going to get into a lot of specifics regarding both of those programs and some of the nuances they and implications they have for our school district as well as our, our students. So uh, I'm going to ask everybody to introduce themselves because I have a, a great collection of colleagues here from Roxbury High School to really talk about uh, this topic with me. So I'm going to ask everyone to introduce themselves so we get started. Hi, I'm Monica Mann, Director of School Counseling. Hi, Eric Schmidt, the Secondary Supervisor of English and Performing Arts. Hi, everybody. My name is Matthew Maughan. I'm the Supervisor of Science, Engineering, and Visual Arts. Stuart Mason, Director of Athletics and Student Activities and Supervisor of Health and Physical Education, K-12. Don Miller, Principal of Roxbury High School. Jeff Fashina, Supervisor of Mathematics, Family Consumer Science, and Business. Matt Trokin, Supervisor for Social Studies and World Languages. So it's a, it's a full house today. I think if we had one more person here, it'd probably have to stand in the second tier, but that's you know what happens when you don't pay extra to get the close seats. So, all right, let's 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 start with uh, what AP programs offer. And so uh, information produced by the College Board, which is really great, talks about that participation in uh, AP classes. Um, students who participate in those are more likely to attend college and graduate on time. Um, students who have exam scores of a two, I'm going to stop there and just emphasize two, because ones and twos are considered largely um, scores that aren't really accepted by colleges for college credits. The three kind of is that threshold that I guess we could consider a passing score on an AP test. But there is research uh, provided by the College Board that does suggest that youngsters that score a two do significantly better on introductory college courses, meaning they're more prepared to begin. And students who score a one or a two um, do significantly better on a subsequent AP exam. So uh, the reason that's important is because AP classes aren't reserved for students senior year. Um, a summary of that really is students who participate in AP classes have an opportunity to prepare for the academic requirements of a college program. Uh, one of the best things to do is engage in that style of learning and those expectations in the high school program while you have lots of supports. You have all these folks here ready to talk to us about this today. You have school counselors, you have teachers who are really familiar with you as a student. So Engaging in AP classes provided by the College Board really does provide an opportunity for students to prepare for the next level after Roxbury High School. Now, there are some some provisions we need to talk about as that, as that is um, relevant to the academic program. So let's get into that with kind of trying to answer the question together, um, why take an AP class? But before we get into that, like, what's the, how do we find out? If I'm a parent, Monica, how do I know if my kid is a... It prepared for an AP class, right? Whether the teacher recommends them or not, how do what are the ways that I could figure that out if my kid is uh, has the academic ability to engage in AP learning? So one of the best ways is actually to um, talk to the teachers of their current classes. Um, the teachers have a really good understanding of where the kids are academically, uh, especially at the close of the year. Um, we typically will do our course recommendations for students around February. At that point, that's a good point for parents to reach out to the teachers to 
uh, engage in that conversation. Is my child ready? And then taking the next step and see how they do the rest of the school year and then re-engaging in that conversation at the end of the school year. All right. So uh, specifically in the subject areas, you know, our supervisors are here. What's that look like? How do how do teachers evaluate that recommendation for a student? How do we um, how do we navigate the moments where perhaps the recommendation doesn't necessarily jive with the perspective of the student or the parent? One way or the other, you know, how do we how do we support what's best for the student as they prepare for their future? Keeping in mind, it's not our future; it's their future. What role do they have in that decision making process? Well, I think part of this is just familiarizing yourself with what are AP level expectations. Uh, I think it's easier now than ever before to do that, as AP has so much published on their website uh, to tell you a little bit about what each class entails. Uh, additionally, what the assessment looks like for every one of these classes. And my experience has been that students enroll in AP classes for a number of reasons, um, you know, ranging from, you know, really motivated by the GPA boost that may be inherent with an AP course to those who are not interested in that at all, but just really want to engage in some deeper learning on a topic that they're interested in. Um, so each is really a case by case uh, situation in terms of why a student might enroll in an AP level course. Um, but we do understand that AP courses do offer something for all students. Um, it's just those who are, you know, want to kind of step up and take that challenge. Mm -hmm. I've kind of been referring to it recently as like a difference between a junior varsity and a varsity program. Uh, our AP courses are our varsity classes. Um, so, you know, that's another way to kind of maybe think about the difference between uh, prep courses and our AP courses. So one thing I want to touch about with uh, AP is the pace of the course. You know, <clears throat> typical high school course lasts 10 months, right? Whereas a typical college course lasts four months or so. And AP kind of lands right in the middle of there because AP tests usually come out around May and a lot of the curriculum stuff is done usually early on in April. So you can start reviewing and doing test prep and stuff like that, getting students ready to take that test. So you're kind of getting like a happy medium of what does a college course look like and what, you know, the transition from a high school course to that college course. So, you know, whether you're questioning yourself, well, should I take AP, should I not take AP, understanding the pace of the course and how much needs to get accomplished in a shorter period of time. That's a good question to, you know, ask yourself and think, of, is that something I'm ready for? Is that something I want to take on with the addition of everything else that you're taking on within your schedule? I think one of the most important parts of if you're questioning, is this for me? Should I go ahead and do this? Is communication. Speak to the teacher, speak to the supervisor, speak to your child's or your student's guidance counselor and touch upon the issues of why I want to take an AP course why the recommendation may or may not have matched up, where are my post-secondary options uh, heading to, so you can all be unified in the decision to, once again, meet what is best for the student and for your child. So I like what, I'm going to combine what Matt and Eric just said there and kind of pass this back out to the group, which is we need to, one, what I just heard you say and I agree with is the student needs to be a part of this conversation, right? This is their life, this is their journey. And so, you know, Eric mentioned a couple of reasons why a student might take an AP class, which is perhaps a boost in their GPA, right? AP courses are weighted at 5.0 quality points, whereas a traditional course in our academic program is 4.0. Honors courses are 4.5, right? So there is a value, a higher value in terms of the GPA calculation. And that's important to some students, right? That's important to some folks. Uh, deeper learning, um, an opportunity to really engage in critical thinking, application of material at a higher level, I think is is something that's really valuable to lots of people. And then one of the things Matt just mentioned, which is kind of where I want to take this, is how does it connect to your your future after Oxford High School? Is it something that connects to what a college you might be looking for, a major you might be intending to pursue? 
Um, what's that look like? So I guess I'm going to pose that question is what are colleges looking for? Because one of the things I think we need to get into in this conversation, and maybe we don't finish it here, it becomes another episode or something like that, is what colleges were looking for when we, let's I'll just call us the generation of parents, when we were looking at colleges after high school, if that's where our journey took us, colleges were looking for something. We are here somewhere between 20 and 40 years later. Are colleges still looking for the same thing? Um, or are we, as parents, the generation of parents, projecting our experience onto our kids and guiding them towards what was once our future, but that doesn't necessarily land with their future? So that's kind of the question. What are colleges actually looking for? Are they looking for a really deep academic program? Are they looking for more than that? Are they looking for a combination of things? So let's talk about, in your experience, what are colleges looking for, if that's the way students want to pursue their future after Roxbury High School? So I agree with you. I think that could be a podcast all unto itself. Um, and I think the most important thing to note is that colleges are looking at a lot of things. They're looking at um, what is the student's academic profile look like? So what does their transcript look like? They like to see a slow increase in rigor. So they may start out as uh, a regular level student and then take an honors class and then take maybe two honors classes. So they like to see that steady increase in rigor but at the same time, they like to see the consistency in the grades. So they want to see that the grades are staying um, at the same level throughout and that and that there's a slow, steady increase in rigor. So it's not and it's not all about loading up completely on all of those uh, high rigor courses. It's about balance. They want to see somebody who has the rigor, but is also involved in other things, involved in their school community, um, participating in athletics and clubs. Um, taking on leadership. Leadership is big. They love to see that. Um, community service is another piece they look for. They want to see somebody who's going to fill out their school community when that student comes to them. So there's a lot of little pieces to it, and every school is different. Um, and it is important, especially as a student rises to junior and senior year, to really be thinking about what it is that they want to pursue after high school and make their academic program reflect uh, further deep, deeper education in those areas. So if somebody is looking to get into business, they should be taking business courses. If they are looking to get into medicine or science, they should be taking science classes. If they want to become a pilot, they should be taking aviation. And we talk to students all the time about how important it is to reflect your interests and your future interests in your academic program. All right. So I'm going to kind of bring Dom in here as the principal of the school, you know, one of the things that has been a conversation surrounding our community recently is how the high school ranks when some of the publications come out. And uh, while that question statement comes up a lot, you know, things like we've been dropping in the rankings, right? We're not happy with the ranking. We, whomever's saying the comment. I, I think this is a really good opportunity as we talk about AP classes, and we're going to get a little bit more into dual enrollment classes in a second, Let's talk about the rankings. I mean, as the principal of a comprehensive high school, there's a responsibility that comes along with that. And so let's talk about what that looks like from your eyes, and then we can hopefully start to clear up the conversation about how AP plays a part in rankings and how that compares to our district's vision of what we want to do with students while they're with us and support them on their journey of life. And all those things are not linear. And so that kind of causes some conflict in perception. So let's talk about that a little bit. And this is another topic that could be its own podcast in itself. Uh, large part of the rankings is be due to the state rankings, the number of students that take the AP test, the number of students that pass the AP test, 
And just being honest, in our community, you know, not everybody can afford to pay the $100 or whatever it may be. And now you have to pay so much earlier. Uh, when I started at Roxbury High School five years ago, you didn't have to pay for your – you got the decision whether or not you wanted to take the test in the winter. I think it was January. Now you got to pay in October. And if you decide, uh, let's say you're not sure in October, you want to pay now in January, there's an additional cost to it. So it's not – you know, inexpensive. It's it's a significant amount of money that families are putting out. My my daughter took three AP tests. Okay, or I'm sorry, three AP classes. I paid for two tests. That was it. But that was what we put in there. So there's a cost factor that goes into it, and then the number of students that uh, score. You know, the the scores go into it, right? So you know, if you have a student that's taking, they decide they want to take four or five AP tests. And they're going into psychology or something along those lines, and they're spending their time and with psychology and the uh, uh, world AP world, but they're not putting as much time in AP stats, and that test is going to suffer. That's going to be a reflection as well. <clears throat> it's unfortunate that so many of the other things that Chuck talked about, our vision for preparing our learners, those things aren't including in the rankings. No other school on the East Coast or anywhere that I know of is building a house. There's four programs in the state of New Jersey that have an aviation program. The number of special education programs we offer to our uh, our students with special needs far surpasses schools that are you know next door or even throughout the state. So you know AP does have a significant impact on those rankings, and you know it's you can look at the numbers where we're ranking, but when you take a look at the what makes it up, and you see those AP numbers, you know Roxbury is not a place where you know, 300 seniors are going to be taking three AP tests each. And in other districts, some of those districts pay for the kids to take the test. And then there are even other districts that kid will pay. And if they achieve a score of a three or better, then they compensate the student and the family back. So, you know, it's a, a money piece, too, that people aren't aware of. Yeah, and just to kind of add to that, you know, the, you know, Dominic talked about some of the really great programs that are happening at Roxbury High School. You know, we have lots of other things. I mean, Mr. Trokin's here. He's worked really hard with the World Language Department. We have almost 100 students over the last couple of years together that have achieved the seal of biliteracy. You know, Mr. Mason works closely with the school, uh, Morris County School of Technology, because we host the Sports Medicine Academy. We have a variety of dual enrollment programs, a really great one that Mr. Schmitz worked on with, with Rutgers. You know, um, Mr. F Mr. Fashina is working on a teaching program with Kane University. So we have a ton of programs and none of those things earn credit, so to speak, when the rankings come out, because the rankings, as Dom shared, are largely predicated on a handful of metrics, many surrounding AP tests, taking multiple classes, multiple tests, passing multiple tests. You have NJSLA and graduation rate. That's it. Um, you know, a comprehensive high school. I think Roxbury High School is one of the preeminent schools where any student with a wide variety of interests can find something really special for them and not have to take a traditional program that the school kind of says, here, do this thing, because that's what you got to do in high school. Um, and so we're really proud of that. And the problem is you can't have both of those things at the same time. Additionally, College Board has said that the real value is being a part of the class, experiencing that learning. So if, if a parent asked me, should I take an AP class? I would say, yeah, it's a great opportunity to see what that looks like. Um, do I have to take the test? I'd say that's your call. And while that probably hinders our ability to get higher ranking scores, I think that's the answer I would give. And I would invite you guys to jump in here. I think that's the correct answer as it pertains to how we serve our community, right? Yeah, it would be in our best interest if everybody took the test and everybody scored high. 
it's just not the program that students are really looking for. And I think our our um, priority is serving all of our students in the best way we possibly can, not necessarily focusing on these ranking scores in particular. So to hop on the on on the back of that, you know, when we look at that's why conversation is so important when we're looking into should I take an AP course or not. As Monica touched upon, colleges look at an increase in rigor. And we offer so many other courses here that offer dual enrollment at a less of rigor course of an AP. We have a lot of our honors courses that that offer dual enrollment. We have our environmental A course that offers dual enrollment. Our structural design courses offer dual enrollment. So that's really where the conversation piece comes, I think, between the teacher, the guidance counselor, the supervisor, and the parents and the student. See, where do I want to go after after high school? How can I get there? And how can my needs best be met? Mr. Mullen, I think that's a, a great point about dual enrollment. Uh, I think it was Peter Senge who said, uh, oftentimes uh, we're open to change, but we resist being changed. And I think it's a mindset change to think about dual enrollment. It's something that... Uh, high schools did not offer, quite frankly, my generation. The thought to be able to take a college course for credit in high school wasn't even an option when I went to high school. So the fact that Roxbury offers so many dual enrollment courses where students can actually take a class and get, and get a college experience. At Roxbury, I know some of our sports medicine academy classes, they're almost graduate level classes that our students are taking. So they're really getting the college experience and getting the opportunity to uh, earn college credits while in high school which of course the benefits there, uh, there's so many. They can graduate college earlier. They're gonna save so much more money uh, because they're paying $300 for a course rather than the thousands that they would at a university. Uh, the other piece is they can take a, a course at the college level and maybe they decide that's not something that they wanna study. So there's those options too where they're getting to learn that in high school before they go spend the thousands in college or before they go select a major uh, and have to retake courses. So they really have an opportunity to focus on their careers uh, while in a career path while they're in high school. And uh, to talk about dual enrollment, uh, just to expand on that and <clears throat> how it may affect ranking systems, um, it kind of begs the question, um, when you're looking at the ranking systems that exist, um, maybe that should be the next step, is to take a look at what are the dual enrollment options that a school is offering. Um, it was mentioned before, the seal of biliteracy. Our class of 2023 that just graduated, um, we had close to 10% of graduating seniors achieve the seal of biliteracy. Uh, the class of 2024 uh, is on pace to surpass that. Uh, we just got some more results in, and uh, the number of students who have achieved the seal uh, is already above uh, what we had for 2023, and we still have uh, eight more months uh, for the upcoming seniors to finish up uh, their testing window. So. I think it kind of begs the question for those that are making the ranking systems, uh, maybe take a look at what you're evaluating as part of your process. Mr. Trogan, I think that's a phenomenal point. I, like I said, change can change comes slow, and maybe these, these rankings, the way they look at how they make these rankings needs to change uh, and keep up with the times uh, as far as what we're offering our students. So I kind of just want to hop in and talk a little bit about, you know, the opportunities I thought was a really good word. It's been used a lot in this conversation. Um, and we offer both those AP and dual credit opportunities. With each uh, choice you make, there are advantages and disadvantages to each. I think it's important to point out. With AP, the advantage has traditionally been that it's the same course offered really throughout the country. Uh, and colleges could use that as just a, a, a metric and a benchmark to assess college readiness um, and ability to, to succeed in college. 
Uh, one thing that I had found even in teaching AP literature, the disadvantage is your child's assessed on their performance that occurs in one day in May for three hours, uh, which isn't always indicative of the totality of the work the student had produced. So I had students who had produced phenomenal work all year long, only to earn a score of like three out of five and, and vice versa, right? Um, so in moving to dual enrollment, as we explore that as an option in the English program, we were able to also choose uh, institutions to partner with that aligned with our vision of instruction and assessment. So with Rutgers, we've partnered to offer expository writing. And one of the advantages there for us was that uh, we submit an entire portfolio of student work. So students are judged on um, a range of writing, writing that they've been able to revise multiple times uh, that reflects um, sustained achievement. Uh, and it's best representative of student achievement and work in that class. Uh, so there are some advantages and disadvantages to each, um, but those options continue to be available for our students. Yeah. Eric made some really great points, especially earlier. He talked about one of the reasons that people might want to be, uh, one of, some of our students might take AP classes is not necessarily for the GPA boost, but to challenge themselves and to delve a little deeper into the learning process. So, you know, you may have a student that wants to do that and not even take the AP exam. So there are plenty of options for our kids, and I think that's something that we're, as an administrative team, we're most proud of is that we do provide a lot of options and opportunities for our students. The dual credit classes, Stu made a great point too. You know, when I, these our students are going off to college, if, if we have somebody that wants to be an athletic trainer and, you know, after two years they change their major, that's a lot of money they invested in that <clears throat> that may not transfer over to the other major. So now they have an opportunity to get this experience. You know, maybe they, they get into that and they do, do qualify for those particular credits, but now they understand, like, hey, maybe this isn't for me. So now they've just saved, saved a significant amount of money, and, uh, you know, then they can use it to allocate for what they do want to do. So, you know, there's, as Eric also said earlier, you know, there's pros and cons to, to each way, but, uh, you know, if certain schools aren't taking AP classes anyway or they're going to take the credit, you know, you get a five in – you know, AP U.S. History too, and they say, all right, well, that's great. You don't have to take this class, but you have to take something else to fill it. So it's an elective. So you're losing out on an elective that maybe you wanted to take in that class, but they're filling it with the, the AP class, so you still got to take that history class, right? Whereas if, you know, you take the expository writing class, there's a really good chance that the three credits that you're getting from Rutgers are transferring wherever you want to go. The classes you're getting from Seton Hall, most likely are going to transfer wherever you want to go. So those are just things to consider as well when our students are – looking at AP and dual, uh, dual enrollment. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that segue, Dom, and you guys are making some great points. The I, I want to just clean up so that there's no confusion. So if you think about AP classes, uh, which are sponsored by the College Board, and dual enrollment classes, they kind of are like a Venn diagram. So if you're unfamiliar with that Venn diagram of those interlocking circles where you have three sections, the section that's unique to each circle, and then the inter intersection in the middle. And the reason there's an intersection is because some of our AP-approved classes through the College Board are also part of our dual enrollment partnerships. And so lots of times we get questions from parents and students like, well, should I take this dual enrollment class? Should I take this AP class? And the real answer is that's up to you, right? That's really up to the student. What's, what do you intend your life journey to look like? You know, how, how do those decisions best benefit you? And you guys have raised some really great pros and cons. Uh, unfortunately, we did invite representatives from college boards to join us for this uh, on a couple of different occasions and weren't able to coordinate that with them to really have this piece of the conversation, which is the pros and cons of AP versus dual enrollment. 
Um, and as Dom just kind of explained, that's a huge piece of it, right? You take that AP test, you aren't guaranteed pretty much anything, right? Regardless of your score, even if your college takes that score, it's often in replacement, right? So there's no real cost savings to the family um, because it's kind of like, well, now you don't have to take calculus. You, you know, we'll give you credit for calculus, but you need to fill that gap in your in your credit load with something else, right? So the bottom line is you're still paying the tuition dollars. Whereas dual enrollment classes, those are college classes on a college transcript. And we've worked really hard here. I want to commend you all on establishing some amazing partnerships with very reputable institutions. Our major connections are with Seton Hall and Fairleigh Dickinson. Both universities are really known on a national stage, which is important to us. We have the one expository writing uh, agreement with Rutgers University, and we have Tomorrow's Teachers with Kane University. And so, I mean, we've worked hard to establish partnerships that are really valuable and really important. And so now when students pass those classes that are a part of that partnership, parents, you know, I think Stuart Dom referenced the cost. It's about $300, which is really pennies on the dollar for the college to get those college credits. And so one of the main questions we get about, well, why is it so cheap, right? College classes aren't that cheap. Why is it so cheap? The answer is easy because it's a zero-sum game for the university. They literally have to do almost nothing. Uh, our teachers teach the course. Our teachers assign the grades. They just produce the transcript. And so by getting a couple hundred bucks, it's a couple hundred bucks they wouldn't have otherwise gotten. So if a bunch of students do that, the colleges are still making a little bit of cash for pretty much doing nothing except endorsing the class. But the students come out with something really valuable, which are actual college credits that aren't guaranteed to transfer, but the likelihood that they become course replacement, particularly for the introductory courses, is really positive. And we have courses in every discipline in our high school that are dual enrollment. We're enhancing our partnership with Fairleigh Dickinson this coming school year. So there really is lots of stuff for students to engage in um, as a part of that dual enrollment program. So I know that's a hard decision for parents, but it is an important one. And really the question is with your child. Where do you, where do you want to go? What, how will this help you? What what can we do? And the opportunity to save some cash is important to us as as a school district for our families. Would it be easier for us to say, take this AP class, take this AP test? It, I, it would be easier, right? Because we could kind of push kids in that direction. It would help the rankings. But our main goal isn't that. Our main goal is doing the best we possibly can for every kid and every family in the school district. And while that may have an adverse effect on rankings, because those systems, let's be fair, are arbitrary and somewhat outdated, as Matt suggested, and perhaps it's time to update what that looks like, but school districts have no control over that. Um, I can look in the mirror, I can sit with our team here, and we can be really proud of what we offer students and our families, and I, I think we deserve to be. And I think every family in this community deserves to be proud of what the school provides because there's lots of really great things that are happening at all of our levels. But this conversation is really about Roxbury High School. Uh, the one last thing I want to really emphasize is as mental health continues to be a conversation that emerges as we support students, where is the value become negative when it pertains to loading up your schedule, right? It's really awesome when kids say, you know, I took 15 AP classes. That's a, a, a monumental accomplishment and something I laugh at because I could never done that. <laughs> um, but AP uh, College Board has produced a study that suggests that there's this leveling off effect as it pertains to college connection and college readiness after five AP classes. Once you've taken that fifth AP class, you're kind of at the point where there isn't further gain from a college readiness standpoint. The only real gain is exposure to curriculum and an increase in GPA. So I think it's important we talk about that as as students prepare their their academic 
um, course load year over year here at the high school just because if it's all about what colleges want, Monica talked about that, recognize there is that kind of leveling off and we need to balance that out with the mental welfare of our students. We want our kids to be involved in our amazing other programs, sports, clubs, music, musical, right? How, so all of that stuff matters. So yeah, just to that point, uh, I attended that presentation that College Board had given regarding that leveling off effect. Uh, they were really transparent about the idea that um, you know you could avoid potential excessive levels of stress um, once you've reached that kind of threshold of five classes. And the thinking behind that is if you've demonstrated your achievement in five different academic areas, colleges already know you've got what it takes. You don't need to do that in 10 classes. Uh, if you've done that in five, you, you've already kind of demonstrated your capability. All right. So the, a lot of information there. I mean, we can certainly get deeper on any any piece of this, but we felt it was important to get the information out there so parents are aware of what is AP, what is dual enrollment, are they the same thing? You know. Uh, how do how do they impact my my child moving forward? What's it what's it mean to me? How does that impact the rankings? Because that is a pretty big conversation right now. So uh, we can certainly continue this conversation if people want some more information, specifically what are in those rankings, particularly U.S. News and World Report, New Jersey Monthly, which are the two publications that people most heavily rely on uh, for that information and that validation of their district and a comparison point for others. You know, my word of caution is. Look at what goes into that and what else your school may offer you that isn't represented there. And, you know, um, I think as a CNI team, we have a lot, we've done a really lot, a lot to, um, to enhance what we do. I mean, Dom is a principal. I sure hope you're really proud of the staff and your, the supervisors about what we're offering and don't allow that conversation about the rankings to discourage the momentum that we have um, in terms of developing programs for our school and for our kids. Yeah. I'm really proud of everything that our our supervisors, the administrative team have been able to provide uh, our students. The options at Roxbury High School, they're pretty much unlimited. If you can't find something, then you're doing something wrong. Um, we've been able to sustain our programs. We've been able to build our programs. We've established further relationships. Uh, Matt Maughan talked earlier about the SDF relationship you know, you, college credits and internships and apprenticeships that we're, kids are getting offered because not everybody wants to go to college. You know, not everybody is, you know, maybe they will eventually, but we have kids that are going into the trades now. Now they're getting credit for the work they're doing in SDF class. So it's a year of a, an apprenticeship or six months of an apprenticeship is coming off. They're going to be ready to hit the workforce in a year as opposed to a year and a half or two years. So there are not other schools that are offering these kind of things. So the fact that, you know, everybody's doing the hard work to do what's best for the students of Roxbury. Uh, you know, I am extremely proud. I'm grateful for our teachers because they've got to go undergo training and working with these colleges, even, you know, the, our folks that are teaching AP, they're going through AP training, but they're doing the hard work too, to provide the best possible experience for all of our students. So uh, I'm grateful to be part of the district. I'm so proud to be the principal and uh, I'm excited about the things that we can continue to offer our students. All right. I appreciate that. Any last thoughts uh, from anybody regarding this topic? Um, I would say, you know, no matter what you're interested in, math, science, structural design, anything, there's options out there for you. We have AP courses for you. We have dual enrollment courses for you in any of those different disciplines. And they start early in the high school career. Um, there's a lot offered for our freshmen, our sophomores, and all the way up to our seniors. So whatever you're into, we have it here at Roxbury for you. And just a quick note on that as well. If you can't find it, 
Talk to your school counselor about it because we have an awesome senior option program, which allows you to uh, do something in what you're really interested in. I don't know any other school around that does this sort of thing. Um, And our kids who take advantage of that show so much passion towards the projects or internships that they're doing. We have a podcast on that one, too, so you can listen to that. But that is definitely an option as well. I feel, you know, if you have questions, ask. You know, we have a lot of people just sitting in this room here that will be more than willing to meet with you, talk with you, email, phone call, whatever it takes um, to help guide you in the right direction. Find what you're what it is you're looking for or just be a sounding board at sometimes too. Mr. Dr. Sipe, I just have one last thing before we sign off. What's that? I just need you to remember every day is a great day to be a Gale. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day.